0: Hello, I'm Howard and welcome to the 9320 Friday Show podcast, the show that did not get Peter K. tickets on yesterday's pre-sale and now lives in the spare room. It's quite roomy, to be fair. Uh, we're looking back at the week that was and looking forward to the end of the Premier League. For now, a bit of the World Cup too, and whatever else takes our fancy should be fun. Plus, I caught up with a Brentford fan last night to talk about his club and the weekend match. We may even have time to talk about the draw for the next round in the car and the inevitable pre-Christmas toxicity on Twitter that that will bring, if the site still exists, that is. So to chat about the bird and the bees, sorry, (laughs) open my Christmas crackers early it seems, I'm delighted to be joined by none other than Ali and Lloyd. Good afternoon, Ali. How are you doing?
1: I'm very well, thanks Howard, yeah, it's good to be back on 9320, Yeah, Um, and yeah, I'm enjoying the Premier League while it's still going. (laughs) Like
0: that tortuous intro, yeah? (laughs) How could I get the bird and the bees into an intro? (laughs) (laughs) That's how it shouldn't be done, yeah. Oh, good to have you on. Uh, And
2: Lloyd, good afternoon to you as well. Afternoon, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right, um... I'm actually hoping to to make make the make an actual home game this season, which uh, feels like a big achievement given the the trains do not exist from London to Manchester at the moment. Yeah, so we're all hoping to
0: meet up after the match tomorrow. So what is there a set uh, train time that
2: you're relying on in the morning for it to turn up, yeah. I'm relying on the 8am train actually leaving London Euston, which doesn't really happen these <laughs> days. So
0: it may leave there; it just may never reach Manchester. So exactly, so, yeah. Good luck. It would be great to see you. Well, no, cheers, mate. So you can make the yeah. Okay. What's the uh, success rate of trains actually running at the moment? About uh, I think there is not.
2: There isn't any data. On, on that, um, <laughs> at the moment, enough, yeah. which is fantastic. So it's a proper wake up and check jobby. Um, which when I'm getting up at 6 a.m., uh, won't be ideal, but you know, um, it. Avanti are great and I wouldn't have a bad word set against them. They've obviously paid you off there, so can't
0: comment. Can't comment. <laughs> yep, definitely. Right, let's talk football then. Uh, first up, great news, Ali. <laughs> We're going to have a few minutes and only a few minutes on the England <laughs> squad. So, okay. And unlike Nasty Little stay on the Premier League preview show, we won't be making jokes about when the Scotland squad's out. So rest assured. Yeah. Yes.
1: Well, I mean, on that, I have to say I'd been... For whatever the five six months now, whatever I've been looking forward to um, getting in touch with my uh, my Welsh uh, distant ancestry, <laughs> and, and you know donning a red shirt and, and you know pinning a daffodil to my lapel and cheering for Wales, um, and then Mister Tudor came along with his snide remarks, and suddenly I'm finding like this affinity for Iranians in, the, <laughs> in his current time and thinking of all my good friends that i've got in the usa uh and maybe you know a few fist bumps with them and yeah maybe even all those all those uh city lads in the uh, in the england team will you know give them a cheer too um, Wow, well, that's and, what i'm thinking yeah, maybe could... all my vibes into well-directed places for mr Tudor.
0: yeah maybe you could pick it along yeah you know, along the lines of city players so well, I guess that's England. That's, that's England. If right, you're going on numbers, do, it's England, yeah. <laughs> Portugal, uh, are they there? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: but, yeah, we've got an England team. And it, I've got, it, maybe it's just me, but I think it's the, the least remarkable England team um, selection. I don't mean the, the players, but, you know, the, very few surprises there. Um, even the kind of, yeah, know, the, the borderline interesting calls, didn't really get made, you know, we get a Maguire, we don't get a Tamori, those kind of things. Mm. Um, and I'm not really surprised by any of it. Uh, and I think I, I've got a slightly uh, maybe different perspective on it because I'm not English and i English. All jokes aside, I, I'm quite happy to see the England lads do well. Um, if only because I kind of feel quite close to the players or a lot of them. Uh, but some of them. I, I'm kind of, I'm much less down. Some of them. Yeah. I'm much less down on Gareth Southgate than I think a lot of England fans are. And I'm, you know, particularly listening to the 9320 pod. Some of you guys as well. Um, and partly that is I've got a lot of respect. For, uh, Southgate's kind of guiding principle that he, he trusts players who have delivered for him in the yeah. past and he shows loyalty, um, and, He's much more concerned about how he feels about a player and how they performed for England in the past than he is about what their form has been over the last few weeks or months or whatever. Um, And I've always thought that one of the biggest problems that the England football team has always had is... First of all, the amount of pressure that they get, particularly from tabloid papers, but also to you know, to an extent from fans directly, and, and the whole culture around the England football team is that oh, you, you know, you have to pick this player and you have to yeah. pick that player and you have to like drop that guy because he's not playing well, and and this kind of frantic hysteria that always used to surround the England team, um, who was or wasn't going to a World Cup, was always a you know a big topic of debate in the tabloids um, and I think an awful lot of managers were kind of to a certain extent brought down by that uh, and the fact that Southgate has never really given any of that any time of day throughout his entire tenure as, as manager um, he's always stuck to his own guns and, and had his own idea of what players he wants to pick and and he really hasn't indulged that kind of nonsense and, and as a result I think there's a lot less of it I think the, the you know, tabloid tabloid journalists can, and football fans can be a bit like sharks who smell blood. And once they once they taste a little bit of blood, they just keep going, they want more and they mm. want more and they want, you know, they bring down the next player and bring down the next player. And I think the kind of stability and um, comfortable family atmosphere that Southgate has built in the England team has actually stood in a really good stead. Um, and the fact that, you know, the last couple of tournaments have been, you know, the best they've had for 50 years uh, is probably not coincidental to that. And I think, you know, Southgate, for all his obvious limitations as a technical, tactical manager, you know, he's, he's not a Pep Guardiola. He's not a, a, um, a, I don't know, a Scolari or whoever, you know, he, he's not someone you would pick out as, you know, a, a natural managerial genius. Um, I think as a, as a man-manager and as someone who uh, builds up you know, uh, a band of brothers to go out on the pitch for him, um, he's actually done a really, really good job. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think England should, England fans should be a little bit um, uh, careful what they wish for, well, the, the well, easy to, phrase, you know? To be honest, that's
0: I think we've been very balanced with him. That's pretty much what we've said. I think off the mm-hmm. pitch, he's been pretty damn good yep. and holistic in a way that was needed, in the same way City needed a... Heli- a holistic manager after Mancini, yeah, he's he came in and has been that person. I think he has limitations as a manager, pure manager, tactically and whatever. But you're not getting Pep Guardiola, are you? Yeah. <laughs> you can get very lucky. You know, some t- you, know, you he may do an international job late in his career, and someone will get very lucky. I'm not sure he suits international management, yeah. but you know, a, a country may get lucky and get a really you know meddled manager, but. Ultimately, it's a very—it's not the easiest uh, role to to fill, and it is what it is. I just don't think he's a great actual manager tactically or what he does. But we will see. Yeah, will probably if England win the group, they will probably meet France in the quarterfinals, and if we go out to them after playing quite well, we'll be as indecisive about how good he is as we've ever been, to be honest, as a whole. But I have a lot of good things to say about him I just don't think he's a brilliant manager but that's international management you don't always get the best uh, Lloyd we talked about this yesterday 26 man squad has probably made made it easier to avoid controversies was there anything that really stood out for you or was it essentially the squad you expected
2: yeah pretty much to be fair I think Madison was probably the big question mark and what everyone was talking about um, very glad that he's in I think it's very much very much deserved on his part and mm. kind of went through that on the on the previous pod. Um But yeah, pr- I agree with Ali, it's pretty, you know, as expected, there's no um kind of interesting picks, I don't think. There's no one there's no like Bolter um apart from Madison, someone that's kind of played really well this season. I, I thought there's a chance maybe Sassignon at Spurs would make it just because Chilwell's injury, we don't have many options at left wing back and I do think Southgate's made a bit of a um, a bit of a balls up in only taking Luke Shaw because Luke Eat- Shaw enjoys eating biscuits and that we um, all. <laughs> and is not famous for staying in great condition and in injury record wise so I think that's a big risk
0: but to be fair we are limited his options were limited aren't they with Chilwell out with Rhys James out with Walker you know fighting for fitness full backs is a problematic area for him anyway
2: yeah what would what you have that? done differently then I'd have probably taken Sessignon from right. Spurs yeah a, and I'd have Again. Got, rid Con- yeah. got rid of Conor Gallagher um, right so I've done a bit of a trade-off there because yeah. I, I expect Gallagher won't play. No, um,
0: he's probably the least likely to get minutes, so...
2: Yeah, and I've actually not been mega impressed with him since he's gone back to Chelsea, but no. um, but obviously reserve judgment because there's a lot of good ingredients there. Yeah, you know, I thought, for example, he was amazing in the two games that he played us last season. But I think Palace is probably his level. But anyway, um, yeah, no real surprises. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know what? He could have gone very, rogue. sharp. That whole lad for Chelsea looked good at left wing bad, didn't he? So maybe in the future, probably don't, not for this. I so.
0: don't think he's always played as a wing bad, yeah. I think he's a midfielder, but I think there's little point doing that like a wall inclusion because they're not getting on the pitch, are they? So. No,
2: no, I, I, I agree, I agree. I, I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate. Yeah. I'd have gone for Sassignon. But um, I think for me, the real glaring thing when you look at the squad is that I think goalkeeper quite well covered. Midfield, good options if Phillips can get fit. Attack, great options. Maybe I would have taken Ivan Tony, I think, um, to have someone with that physical presence and takes an absolutely mean penalty, I think that this probably should have been a space for him. But the real glaring thing is the back the defensive options are properly shit. <laughs> um if Stones go if Stones gets an injury, England are in massive trouble. Yeah. Um, and you know a potential back free of Maguire Dyer and um who's the other player that I'm missing I don't uh, know is Cody playing no. Cody exactly there we go like that has a potential back free wow that is garbage he'll um, just
0: he'll make south get more cautious again won't it? so
2: I just hate. I just hate Southgate's ideology of we're not very good at the back, so I'm going to play more players at the back. <laughs> yeah. No, but they're they're the ones that are shit, mate. So maybe maybe <laughs> don't play any. <laughs> yeah, don't play any. Yeah, don't play any. Do what Guardiola does and just play nine midfielders. Yeah. Um. So that yeah, that is really frustrating. Um. And I think the other interesting thing is I think his Sterling loyalty is probably going to get tested. Um, expect he'll probably play the first game, but he's not been playing well for Chelsea. And actually, one of my mates, Danny, a Chelsea fan. messaged our group yesterday saying was actually quite looking forward to uh, the pause for for Chelsea because I don't have to watch Sterling play. And then I realised wow. I do have to watch Sterling play <laughs> because England are playing. Not so, he won't um, be playing as a wing back though, will he? So no, he won't. He won't. And look, Raheem was amazing in the last. Uh, tournament in the Euros and he wasn't in great form prior to that so you know, he's he, there's every chance he turns it around but I think there are other options at the moment that are in much better form than him and justify the place
0: yeah okay I'm not going to talk much more about England well not at all uh, but about three or four minutes on the World Cup itself obviously we're going to do a lot more on the World Cup just before it next week and during it of course but Ali now I, I can ask you this question quite easily because As an England fan, I don't look forward to a World Cup because of England. I would say 90% of it is the whole, you know, just the whole festival of football, though I'm pretty sure this will not be a festival of football. Uh, Possibly one of the worst World Cups ever is how I am touching it. I'm still excited just because it exists, however long it is. Have you got any feeling of excitement yet that a World Cup is coming on the horizon or literally nothing
1: going on inside you at the moment? I've been trying to force myself to get excited about it and failing dismally. Um, the, what we need is it, a fancy football, then, <laughs> then <or> just <laughs> yeah, for the world. Honestly, Cup. yeah, that, that that that's kind of what I need, and you know that would probably help as a you know as someone who's you know, uh, as close to neutral in this one as, as you could imagine. Um, no, I, I think the when the FIFA decided to give it give the World Cup to Qatar, um, initially they were going to play it in the summer. Um, and then everybody was like, you can't play a World Cup in Qatar in the summer. That's insane. Players will die on the pitch. Uh, I was like, oh, okay, well, we'll still play it in Qatar, but we'll move it to the middle of December. You can't do that because it's the middle of the- Oh, well, you know, we just got to make it happen. And <laughs> the whole thing was such a you know, like half-arsed um, bad idea from, from the absolute outset. And the closer we got to it and the more we've learned about it and you know, as the fatalities of construction workers mount up and all the rest of it, just the more appalling the idea to hold it there was in the first place. Um, of course, when the first match begins and there are, you know, for the first couple of weeks there are three, four matches a day on the telly, I will have the telly burbling away in the background. and I will probably As will myself, I. Yeah. Yeah, I. will. I will find myself cheering for Costa Rica as I do every four years. Have, have you seen um, those
0: fixtures in the first week, though? They're so... Madness, Uninspiring <laughs> until Spain. Until Spain. <laughs> yeah. Spain played Germany on the Sunday. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yes.
1: It. it yeah. Uh, there, there's very, very, very little to look forward to, and really, I'm mainly just looking forward to it all being over and, and some <laughs> kind of normality in in Premier League terms returning. Uh, so, I wish I could be more um, effusive and enthusiastic and, and optimistic about it, but I'm really not. And yeah, apart from anything else. Uh, I've got a strong feeling that the stadiums themselves are going to feel dead when you're watching. Mm. Uh, the, you know, I, I think the worst World Cup to watch that I can remember uh, was the South Africa one for no other yep. reasons than the um, <laughs> the it, It's not just that it was a horrible, like, Insect, you know, swarm of bees noise. And what that did was it just flattened out the the atmosphere. So, you know, when, when a team was attacking, you didn't get that swell of excitement coming out of the crowd of people cheering them on. You just got more of this droning, buzzing noise. And and I think I'm fairly sure that the World Cup of Qatar, um, I don't know how full the stadiums are going to be. Um, they're basically going to be, uh, I'm guessing, half full of entirely sober people. Most of whom are neutrals. Uh, you know, there's not going to be huge uh, passionate support for for all mm. the teams. I don't um,
0: think England have filled that, uh, sold out their allocations, and they're one of the biggest travellers of all. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you know, if England haven't, then you know, no one will. Uh, and I just got. I mean, I, I, I don't know. If I could what was there was a boxing match from either Qatar or Dubai a few months ago. One of the one of the big heavyweight world titles. Um, can't remember who it was now. Um uh, might be an Anthony Joshua fight was, was in Dubai. Um, and I've never watched a less engaging boxing match in terms of the noise, just because everybody watching it was sober. (laughs) I hate to be like really reductive about these things, but it makes a massive difference. Um, We
0: We drink for a reason, don't we? (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. Not not just to forget, no. Um, I I can't remember who, I think maybe Mark Twain or somebody very witty like that once said, I drink to make other people interesting. I "I drink to make football interesting. (laughs) 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 <laughs> and and it it will the, the games will feel flat they will feel dull they they're going to be too hot still the, you know the weather will make will not make for good football um and then when you see all the regulations around how uh people are expected to behave and and how the players and teams and everything else is meant to be going on at the time it is just it you know in terms of like the the bad decisions made in you know, for the year 2022, um, Elon Musk buying Twitter will hands down be the winner. And then FIFA putting the world cup in Qatar will be a very, very close second. Yeah. Uh, is and I'm not looking forward to it. Yeah. I said, it, well, I'm going to say more than a minute on this. I've already just ranted for five. I'm going to shut up now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, a topic we'll no doubt come back to, uh, I think next week, a uh, lot more discussion on that, but I think, Ultimately, yeah, although the moral side, which is, of course, valid, the the timing of it is what will ruin it it for the watching public more than anything else because most people only pretend to have moral objections (laughs) about stuff in football. And, yeah, it's it's going to feel like the first TV World Cup because what you say, Ali, is the atmosphere inside the stadiums and around and before and after matches is what makes the World Cup what it is, not just... The football itself. There might be some amazing games, but uh, South Africa. I don't really remember a lot that happened, to be honest. Uh Did Lloyd? Have he, any of you watched the Netflix uh, series on FIFA corruption? Not yet. Not yet. But... Two, two episodes in. It's uh, yeah, quite an interesting watch. So there is. I should warn you. A lot of David Conn on there, and he did start talking about sports washing, and I was sat there going. Go on, mention Manchester City. Go on, go on, and he didn't, and I was almost disappointed at the end. <laughs> Talking about Argentina was the first, yeah, you know, was a military junta there at the time. The first occasion where sport was used as sports and Thought he's got to we've managed to city into this narrative. <laughs> maybe he'll yeah. do it some, later in the should, series, yeah.
1: Someone should maybe have told him about the uh, Berlin Olympics in 1936 as well. well I think know. that was mentioned as Yeah, yeah I no, I, I, I might be paraphrasing in the wrong way. Yeah, I, I, I might I'm, be... And yeah. that photo of the England football team giving, giving yeah, a yeah. Nazi salute in 1938. Oh, yeah, these are these are long-standing issues. Yes, yeah, so
0: I think he did mention Berlin, so I, I wouldn't want <laughs> to uh, misquote him. Uh, right, that's, that's enough about England, I know, World Cup, i say. We've got a lot to talk about it in the coming weeks. Let's talk City. Uh, Wednesday night, Carabao Cup, Chelsea. <sighs> Lloyd, just as a football spectacle, because it's the Carabao Cup, uh, I know we touched on this on the review, just how much did you actually enjoy the match? Did it feel like a less stressful occasion that allowed you just to enjoy, all the chaotic nature of it as well?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I uh, didn't really give a monkey's either way, so um, I was quite, It was kind of almost watching. It was weird. It was kind of almost like watching as a neutral, um, because I was like, if we win, great. Um, you know, it's that game before the World Cup. And, you know, I now renounce everything I said on the review uh, podcast about us probably getting a lower league team and it being an easy game. So I did warn uh, you there was still quite a lot of Premier league teams left. Yeah, in. I didn't think we'd get Liverpool, though, but, you know, there we go. Um, so, yeah, I was just kind of like, if we go out, fine, don't really care. Um, and the team, I think the team was quite a fun team. And good performances from some of the, like, lesser lights, I would say. Um, particularly Grealish, obviously Ortega. So, yeah, it was just a really fun game. Chelsea, I thought, played well. Just didn't finish the dinner. Um, just one of those, really.
0: Ali, got forgot to mention this on the review. How did, how did it feel watching the match knowing VAR wasn't in use? Did it actually improve <clears throat> the experience for
1: you? Oh, God, yes. Tenfold. Um, I mean, I've, I've honestly, I was halfway through the match. I've, I I didn't get to the... It had
0: yeah, I don't think it would have been needed anyway on this occasion but knowing it wasn't there it, still makes a um, difference
1: yeah. but it, it, you know halfway through uh, the commentator said oh and just remind you there's no VR. and I thought what? No- wow <laughs> um, and then in the second half you know, when, when the goals started going in just that That feeling that you know, there's a quick look to the linesman, and if a flag doesn't go up, then it's a goal and you can celebrate. And what a joy! Um, And I did enjoy it on Wednesday, but I have to say, I enjoyed that side of it much more last night. I was watching the United game uh, and uh, nearly got so excited for, on, on behalf of Villa. You're going to blame me. Yes, I, I, you never I do. said something in the WhatsApp group when Villa went 2-1 up to uh, that, that Dallo on goal. Um, and I, immediately after I knew it was a mistake, and sure enough, the equaliser came and yeah, uh, marked that one down against my uh, debit. Colin, <laughs> so, uh, but no. When I watching that game, uh, where I was much less invested, obviously, and, and had fewer things to focus on, um, just watching, a, a, you know, the second, the first half was absolutely turgid, but the second half was a really good game of football last night, um, and and just watching it, knowing that what you were seeing was what you were getting, and if the referee didn't give a foul then it wasn't going to get called back. You know, there was a hint of the handball on one of the goals. can't even remember which one. Um, it didn't get given at the time. So when they showed a replay of it, it really didn't matter. Um, mm. And the other thing I think is really important to say, the other thing I noticed is just how bloody good the linesmen or the assistant referees are at making line judges, at line calls when they have the opportunity to do so. Now, of course, they do sometimes get it wrong. Um, but you actually forget that these officials who we, you know, slag off endlessly and and talk about endlessly Um actually often they're really, really good at their jobs and they know what they're doing mm. and the decisions that are made on the pitch without VAR um, 90 or you know nine times out of 10 or nine, nine times out of 100 uh, are every bit as good and every bit as dependable as the ones made by VAR or if you want to say that the other way are, are every bit uh, and no less likely to go wrong and no less likely to be incomprehensible and, and daft as the ones that are made by VAR. And yes, I mean, I know it's, you can't wish to turn the clock back, but uh I'm going to do it anyway. I wish we could turn the clock back. Uh Football without VAR is just so much better to watch football with VAR.
0: I just wonder how many match officials actually prefer it, and would probably prefer to go back to the old days and you know make some mistakes and get chastised for it, and not have to keep the flag down because they're waiting and just have a simpler world. I mean, I say that's Chris before, yeah. Chris has never worked with it, but I wonder if he'd actually want to. It'd be worth asking him next time. Yeah.
1: One thing, I, one thing I, I've i said often is that I would be so much more supportive of VAR if it was a, an assistant to the referee, if it was a tool for the referee to use. So the referee could say to the VAR office, I didn't see what happened there. I couldn't see if that defender got a touch on the ball during the tackle or whether he brought man down. I couldn't see whether he handled it. Can you tell me? And the referee you know, uh, uses the VAR as an extra pair of eyes, not as uh, you know, as someone to counteract or, or uh, second guess his judgment. And I think when when referees aren't having to make judgment calls, and it's easier for them to just allow the VAR people to make the judgment calls, then the decisions don't actually get any better, uh, but the refereeing does get worse.
0: Mm. Uh, Lloyd, I what do we want to pick out of this tie? Uh, we're doing a brief look at it on the Friday show. Of course, Rico Lewis again. I thought, I mean, his age is obviously not a complete footballer. I had a great duel with Hall, uh, who looked really lively for Chelsea, but still looked really, you know, an exciting player if he was turned a bit too easily during the match. But it was good to see what youth, I think it was a good balance to the team as well. But I guess Ortega's performance was the one that will stand out as the, the story of the night, perhaps, along with Jack Grealish. Uh, it is good, is it not? I can only think, I was just thinking about this, only Al- probably Allison at Liverpool is the other goalkeeper who essentially doesn't have competition. You know, he's so safe and secure in his role uh, that he's not going to get usurped. Uh, is it good for Edison to have someone behind him that's going to pressure him? That he could, in theory, be dropped You know, in, in favour of someone else?
2: Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> I think we said as much as well on the on the review podcast. Um, it's just, it, I think it's just natural. It's like human nature when you know that um, you're not 100%. I mean, there's an element of like, you want to feel comfortable and secure in your role and in any job. But I think it is, particularly for footballers, it's a good thing to know that there's a guy who's putting you under pressure, who's super eager and hungry for your spot, but is also probably good enough to justify it. And I think Edison, actually, I think his performances have shown that a little bit, because I think where he's kind of fallen down has been concentration. And, you know, it is really tough. We generally have the ball for 85 minutes or, you know, he has to only shave kind of one or two shots a game. But it's often, with Edison, it's it's the saves where you think he's got a hand to that. He probably should have saved it. That's Tends to happen quite a lot. So um, I think it's definitely definitely a good thing.
0: He's just reminding me, sorry to put in, that the one they say from Hall in the second half, the key thing when you see it is how hard his hand is. Because it touches his hand, but he kind of stiffens his hand to get it wide. And yeah, it could easily have got his hand to that and it's still gone past him. Uh, So... Uh, so yeah, it was it was good to see you know how hard his hand was and the direction of how you save it, not just the saves itself. Though we did say, of course, how often it you know, might be one of the best goalkeeper performances since Joe Hart in the Champions League. But how often does a Manchester City goalkeeper get tested that much so that they can put in a display? I mean, Edison don't have to make many saves most matches, so it's hard to make
2: comparisons in a way. So yeah, completely agree. Um... But I do think, for me, the standout or the most interesting performance from the night was definitely Grealish. I think particularly combined with the comments and not to go over all ground, but I think the um, approach that he took to the game and to attacking was just quite a stark contrast with what we've seen um, from Grealish in most of his time at City. So I think he really needs to run and continue with that. Um, and hopefully can against Brentford because that type of Jack Grealish is the type of Jack Grealish that we signed from Villa. Yeah, final
0: question, Ali, though. How, how often will the team be set up like that that allows him to prosper in a game, like that allows him to drive forward and take risks? Or did he, or was it not just about the system, was he actually taking all risks because it was a Carabao Cup game?
1: Uh, I think probably a little bit of all of the above. Um I think he, he felt that he was one of the more senior players on the pitch and was going to take responsibility. And I think a lot of Jack's problem since he came is that he's a little bit in awe of the players around him, particularly KDB and Gundawan, people like that. Um, so he, he plays within himself a little bit. Whereas I think he, he took, he, Look determined to make things happen all on his own if he needed to uh, in much the same way as he did when he was at, at Villa and I think that's a large part of it um, also you know probably you know, when it's a Carabao Cup game there's a, there's a different kind of pressure put it that way you know maybe a less intense um, uh, you know, fear of, of defeat than you would get in other competitions yeah. um, but I, I, I think Jack has been really good this season. I know he's had some stick. I mean, people have a bit of a mixed bag in terms of the, the reviews that he's been getting. Um, but I thought the, the first half that he played, uh, in, in, I guess Sevilla, wasn't it? And when he played with Foden next to him last week, uh, I really liked his performance, and I know he came off at halftime or shortly after, um, but I thought he did really well there. And he's had a lot of good performances, and he's been looking much more like he's playing something approaching his natural game while still doing his job under a Pep Guardiola team. Uh, so I'm really happy about that. The other thing I'd mention before we move on um, is I thought the – uh the two younger kids who, who played on Wednesday night, Rico Lewis and Cole Palmer, um, both just looked as if they belonged at that level. And neither of them did anything particularly spectacular or, or spectacularly successful, eye-catching uh, on the night. But just strolled around like they played a hundred games uh, for mm. for a city and, and were totally at home at that level. Um, and that's really impressive, considering how how quickly, particularly Lewis, has come through and how young he still is. Um, I just really enjoyed. Uh, seeing him competing at that level completely on a uh, on a par with all the players around him. And there was just so much to love about the game on, on Wednesday night. I really enjoyed it, partly because, you know, like Lloyd said, it didn't matter too much if we lost... Um, we, Chelsea put up a really good challenge they, you know, I thought Chelsea played really well a lot of their individual players played really well and our players were put to test by them and came through that test really well, um, really enjoyed it and, and yeah, bring on the next round, <laughs> it brings us on to that question Nice
0: segue there Yes, <laughs> which begs the big question Lloyd: the elephant in the room How important is the next fixture we play in this competition? I mean, it's impossible, (laughs) absolutely impossible to analyse what this game means, how it will be approached, if it matters. I mean, it's we're playing Liverpool then at home a couple of days after the World Cup final, a couple of days before Christmas. Who knows what happens in the World Cup in the meantime? Who knows what team Klopp will put out because we said on the review I don't think he wanted to beat Derby Uh, if he does he wants to go through playing kids and fringe players Mm. it was a very weak game they got through on penalties he's long you know at treated domestic cup competitions as non-priority until recent times in this season of all seasons I wouldn't blame him in the slightest at this Matters not one jot to him. The worry now is that both managers have to take it more seriously than perhaps we could have done if it was said we had Derby at home instead. However, a lot of our players will be back from the World Cup way before the end of it. Leeds' match is not to the 28th. It could be used as a useful bridge between the World Cup and us being ready for the Leeds' match. But it's impossible to analyse, really, what this game means doesn't it, until it basically arrives.
2: Yeah, I think what will happen is Pep will phone up Klopp and go, should we just have a five-a-side game? Do you, <laughs> do you agree with that? And Klopp will go, yeah, fair play. Uh, and then they'll play goals in, in Manchester uh, rather than the Etihad. Um, I'll settle for that, yeah. I think, I think to be fair, the date actually is probably good thing in making sure that it isn't the big game that it would be if it was later in the season I think it'll necessitate that the teams are just gonna definitely be weird um and I don't think Pep will want to play um you know guys that have come out of the World Cup probably within the seven days previous and he'd rather just give them a little bit of a break before they get back into the rough and tumble of the Premier League so England players will be fresh eh Hey, they LA. will be very fresh. <laughs> yeah, I think they'll be very fresh um, <laughs> when they get knocked out in the round of 16. Um, yeah, I mean it'll probably be what Haaland up front with Marez in midfield, uh, Ortega in net, and then a couple of uh, Rico Lewis and Palmer. That's probably the five side team. Um, yeah, but if if the England players, for example, you know, were knocked
0: out of France in the quarter final, I assume they'll have been back for a weekish and. They're in contention, aren't they? This could be I a useful Pep game. Give them, I think he'd probably
2: given it, given it off. Yeah, I'd, I'd be tempted to think. Okay, because um, the thing is, you you got to remember, it's not just the amount of games that these guys will be playing over at the World Cup. It's the travel, it's the like training yeah. camp. It's training every day. You know, it's. I think they, they're going to need mentally as well as physically a bit of a break afterwards, and the schedule is ridiculous that they've basically built no break in, but knowing what Pep is like and knowing the decisions that City took, for example, at the beginning of this season with our pre-season and like who to play and when, I expect he'll probably try and give the guys as much of a break as possible. So it, I think it could be a very weird team.
0: Mm. We will see. Yeah, I think it's harder uh, to say much more about it to okay. until it
1: comes down. Can out. I say a bit more about it? Yeah, well, yeah. I, I've got... <laughs> I've
0: got oh, to take this. Go. Lincoln at home. Would have been, <laughs> Lincoln at I, home would have been better anyway.
1: That's all I can say. Well, you know what? I'm going to say. I'm going to say the exact opposite. Of that I was thinking about this hard last night after the draw was made, um, and I actually think it's quite a good fixture um, for where it is and for who it is and for what it is. Uh, let me explain. Uh, our first game, uh, Premier League game back, is the 28th, I think, against yeah. Leeds. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not even Boxing Day. It's a couple of days after that. Um, uh, Liverpool's is the 26th, I think, so they are on Boxing Day. Uh, now, um, our players are going to be coming back, um, a Premier League game. Three points are really important. And the last thing we want to be doing is going into a Premier League game with everybody's heads all over the place. Um, what this fixture does is it gives us a real comparatively low stakes occasion that can get everybody together. Um, obviously if the, if the World Cup final has been, uh, Portugal against England, um, then it's going to be something of a nightmare for City. Uh, and you probably, you know, as Lloyd said, and, and you both said, uh, probably any players that have been playing over the weekend before and coming back from Dubai, you know, that Monday, Tuesday probably won't be playing. Um, they might turn up and sit on the bench and, and you know, remember what football in, in, Manchester in December feels like, uh, but they, they won't have much involvement. Um, now, because it's a Carabao Cup game, there was always going to be a lot of, uh, fringe players involved, you know, a few kids, and all the rest of it. We'll be, we, we would have been cobbling together a team for the fourth round of the Carabao Cup under any circumstances. We'll be doing that a bit as well. Obviously, Liverpool have got many of the same concerns yeah. as well. And um, and I think what this game, uh, will do that week is just allow everyone to get back, back to England, back to the Etihad, um, put on their, you know, pale blue shirt, sit in the, uh, sit in the bench, uh, listen to Blue Moon getting sung and get their heads back in place before it starts to matter again. Um, and the fact that it's against Liverpool just gives it a bit of a, an occasion. Um, mm-hmm it's just possible that some of our players will be coming back having just won a World Cup, which would be really quite exciting to, you know, whether it's <laughs> probably not England, but, you know, for sake of argument, but Portugal. Or, have we got any uh, Brazilians in the... Squad? We have. We, Edithen, we, Edithen, we've got right, an Argentinian, then. we've got a Brazilian, we've got a Spaniard, we've got you, a Dutch. You know man, my, you know, like, you know uh, my pick for two. the tournament now, don't you? <laughs> yeah, obviously. Um, so, you know, uh, uh, all of this can, can be quite a, a good... Um, you know, like an anchor, like a, a, a recalibration, mm. getting our bearings again um, before we have to go back into the you know, ugly day-to-day business of the Premier League. Uh, and there's one more factor I'll add, uh, just in, on the off chance anyone who's doing the scheduling for that week is listening. Uh, it's my birthday in the 22nd. I really like a football match on my birthday. Uh, if we could get City v Liverpool on the 22nd, which would be, yeah, perfect time. And that'd be the Thursday of that week, if possible. Um, and then, then you get 10 out of 10 marks for, for scheduling from me. Um, and I, yeah, you know, while it's a bit of a shock to the system, the fact that we're playing Liverpool that week and none of us would have been expecting to have to deal with it. Um, I think in the big picture, it's actually not a bad draw at all. I think it's actually quite an interesting one. Right. And it open if we
0: do get through. It opens it up big time. Doesn't it? Yeah, so, absolutely. Depending who's left, uh, well, be City United in the final. There. A two-legged semi-final. That's what we need against United at the end of January. He said <laughs> sarcastically. <laughs> right, <laughs> that's it for part one. Uh, yeah, time to look forward now. Uh, on Thursday night, I spoke to a Brentford fan uh, all about the bees, uh, the club, the season, having, and the match this Saturday. And this is what he had to say. To talk all things Brentford, delighted to be joined by Beast fan Greville. Uh, good afternoon, how are you doing?
3: All right, Howard, good to, good to be on your show and uh, hopefully I can fill you in on what's going on at all things Brentford. I'm
0: sure you can. Uh, just before we do, has the excitement for the upcoming World Cup overwhelmed you yet?
3: <laughs> I can't say I'm particularly excited about the World Cup, perhaps I will be in a couple of weeks' time. I'm a bit disappointed that Ivan Tony didn't get into the England squad. Hmm. Although it was pretty obvious reading really, between the lines that he wasn't going to. But looking at it from a Brentford perspective, I think it's 1938 since we last had a player actually play for England. So it would have been a really, really big deal for us. Yeah. Remember, we are little old Brentford here. Wow. Uh, so <laughs> you know, it's disappointing. But we've got two in the Denmark squad and maybe a third coming up. We've got one playing um, for Cameroon, and we've got one playing for Iran. So yeah. and one playing for Spain as well. So that's six. So that's not too bad. It's not bad at all.
0: Yeah, I've I've wiped the Nations League uh, campaign from my brain completely. Did he get? Did he get any? Has he had any time at all uh, for England? Uh, has he been called up at all? Has he been on the? Oh yeah, I think he was called up and didn't get a single minute into recently. So
3: it, you know, it was fairly obvious then that. Uh, that Gareth Southgate didn't fancy him. And then obviously there have been all sorts of leaks in the press and all sorts of fairly unsavory things have come to light or have been intimated. Uh, none of them particularly help.
0: Do you, do you understand why he's, he just doesn't give him a chance?
3: Um, yeah, I fully understand why, because Harry Kane rules okay. Uh, and that's fair enough. Yeah. You know, he's one hamstring pull away. um, and, and I think I think it was Conti said yesterday that he's pretty knackered. Um, who knows and obviously there's no real like for-like replacement in the squad. Tony is a good player. Tony um, is very good defensively. It's funny I start from that, but he really does uh, cover very well at set pieces. He's good in the air, he's a good finisher. Um, he brings, he holds the ball well. He's a he's a good centre forward, and of course, then you've got his penalty prowess, which oh. is unparalleled. So, to me, he would have been a good squad addition. But what do I know? I'm just a fan.
0: Oh, well, Kane's irrelevant in a way because you you don't need just one striker in the squad. Do you need more than that? And you know, I like Colin Wilson, but
3: yeah, I like Kevin Wilson too. I remember, you know, I saw him play for Coventry back down at Brentford back in 2014, I think. And he looked absolute class then. He's a really, really good player. Hmm. He's you know, he's not a like for like for Harry Kane, is he?
0: No. Well Thomas Frank today has said you can't find a better striker in form in the country after Harry Kane. It's impossible. I do feel for him. Uh you know, to give a chance, uh it's just Southgate in away. He has his favourites and he has a certain type of player, do not he? Uh.
3: yeah, I'm trying to look broader than this. And again I've got a Brentford hat on, which is why you've got me on. And if he, and I mean, as I say, we've got, we've got a lot of internationals at the club, which in itself is boggling when I look at it, again, from a Brentford perspective, because that's never the case. We've got about 12 or 13 internationals, international, internationals. Mm. Um, but had Tony been picked and had he actually stepped onto a pitch for England, it would have given a huge message to potential signings, which is you can still get to the top by, by signing for Brentford. Now, we don't seem to have any problem signing top-quality Danes, but yeah. for, the like of, for the likes of Tony, Rico Henry particularly, I suspect they're now thinking, well, if I really want to get to that last step, I'm not going to be able to do it at Brentford. Mm. I might consider moving on. Yeah. And it's fair enough because they're good enough. I mean, uh, Rico Henry is a superb left-back. Yeah. He's never had a sniff at England level. Um, and it's a shame. Yeah,
0: there's other players. Yeah, you know, that have not been picked as well that you think.
3: Yeah,
0: you have to. You have to wonder: is it where they're playing, not how well are they playing? Sorry,
3: so. I sound all whiny and moaning, and uh, <laughs> it's just not been a very good week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Brentford uh, second season, which can often be more dangerous in the first season in the Premier League. Uh, you've got 16 points yeah. from 14 games.
3: Yeah, could it be? I'm I'm sorry. I've got a hobby horse All this second season syndrome rubbish. Mm. Yeah, we might get relegated, but there again, there are 12 other teams that might get relegated at the moment because there's been a massive levelling up, or perhaps you should be levelling down to Premier <laughs> League. And, um, you know, we know how the teams play. They know how we play. Um, I don't think it's the second season that's causing us issues. What's causing us issues is we can hardly get a team on the pitch some weeks because of injuries and the fact we've got a very small squad, but we'll, we'll see anyway.
0: Well, you've 16 points from 14 games, 11th in the table. How do you judge your season so far? You've been relatively happy with it, considering the injuries you've had?
3: Um, It's been a bit frustrating, because actually I think we should be a lot higher in the table. Um, I think we've thrown away a lot of points. We've had three disastrous performances, at home to Arsenal and at Newcastle and Villa. Um, Newcastle, we just caught, they caught, you know, we're on a good day. Yeah. uh, Villa was ridiculous because, of course, they'd just sacked sacked Gerrard. The crowd were up for it. The players were up for it. We played like tarts. And, (laughs) um, you know, we had to keep the the crowd quiet for 15 minutes, but we couldn't. So that happened. We've been okay. Um, But we've dropped some silly points. We should have beaten Chelsea at home and drew with them. Mm. Uh, We should have won at Palace. We could have, should have, would have, you know. But the, the, the problem we've got is I don't think they really quite know who they are. Last season, there was a firm identity. Um, we sacrificed all the pretty football we played in the Championship. Believe me, it was very pretty. Yeah. And we realised very cleverly and astutely that you can't do that in the Premier League. You'll get them crucified, as Norwich would do when they kept playing the same way. So we became tough and hard to beat, very organized Three-five-two. very good at set pieces, very, very good at pressing, very energetic um, and tough to beat, uh, defensively pretty sound. Now, the two games we had with you last season, you, you know, I've double-checked, you had 75% possession in each game, but you found it really, really hard to break this down. Yeah. The game at um, Brentford Community Stadium was 1-0, And you fully deserve to win it, but we were good and we had chances at nil-nil. But once you scored, we were never in it, but you couldn't get the second goal. Mm. And I went into both those games saying, look, we're not going to get anything out of them, but just don't destroy our goal difference. Um, And we lost 2-0 at uh, the Etihad with a very, very weak team, it has to be said. We had no strikers uh, at all fit. I think... uh, Yeah, one had COVID and two were were unfit. We only got three strikers. Um, That's the thing about Brentford. They take educated gambles, which sometimes and generally come off. But when they don't, you know, it leaves us absolutely in the, you know what. So the game at the Etihad, we actually defended very, very well. And you scored from a daft, soft penalty right on half-time. Which we gave away, and then our goalkeeper decided to throw the ball straight to De Bruyne or something. One of them, and it was two nil. Again, we didn't look like winning it, but we had you worried. Yeah. So, you know, we've just got to defend properly, be organised. We're not defending well this season. This season, we decided to be much more expansive, and we signed two decent forward players in uh, Keen Lewis Potter from Hull, who's a very promising youngster. And Mikkel Damsgaard, who is another, who's like Eriksson's replacement or substitute for Denmark, Um, he's, he came broken. He hasn't been fit all season and he's basically playing 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there. And Lewis Potter is still realizing the Premier League is a completely different animal to championship. So we've lost, you know, we wanted to be expansive, but we can't do it very well. Um, and we've lost our defensive solidity. So it's the worst of both, both uh, worlds. We're very, very uh, naive at set pieces. Um, we've had three centre-halves injured. So we're really at, you know, we're at a low ebb in terms of fitness. But there again, you know, we've only lost four games, which is pretty good. But we come into it after the most ridiculous game I think I've ever seen. This is an exaggeration. But a ridiculous game against Gillingham on Tuesday. When in the Premier League, Brentford are very, very good um, at breaking quickly from defence and transition. Um, and, you know, when we beat Man United 4 0, we absolutely murdered them. Mm. Uh, we let them have the ball, let them give it away, and then absolutely stuffed them on the break. And they couldn't live with us. And it was 4 0 at half time. It was as hot as Hades. And we declared half time because it was too hot. I think we could have had six or seven otherwise. Um, But Gillingham, dear Gillingham, I mean, you know, you've got good memories of Gillingham, haven't you? From, was it 89?
0: 99, Uh, yeah.
3: uh, Sorry, 99. Um, Mostly good,
0: yeah. The end was all right, yeah.
3: Yeah, the end was good. Well, for for those of you that stayed till the end, of course, you know. (laughs) I did, uh, Yeah. That um, you weren't coming back from Wembley Park Tube then, were you? No, right? I,
0: was too, I was too depressed to move when we were 2 0 down, so no chance yeah. of me moving. So.
3: The strike, uh, strike force was Bob Taylor and Carlos Arba both ex Brentford. Yeah. Both um, really good players, really, really good players. And I think they both scored. Um, but anyway, so Gillingham, we had 81% possession. Now, we're not used to 81% mm. possession. We had it in the Championship quite a lot, or probably 70%. 70%. Uh, and we were very expansive, but we didn't know what to do with it. And because in the Premier League, that's not how we want to play. Well, we'd love to play, but we're not good enough to play like that. So in a way, on Saturday, we will be Gillingham and you will be Brentford. Um, you know, because Gillingham started off with a very aggressive 6-3-1 formation, um, which after they scored, the only time they ever got into our penalty area in the whole game, they had one shot in the whole game and scored. Um, they went to a six-four-zero formation. It was—I <laughs> don't think I've ever seen anything like it. And we just couldn't get round the back of them. We couldn't get—we are one winger injured, of course, odds law. So anyway, what will be will be.
0: What will be? Yeah. Well, I was going to say on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, before we get to that, Thomas Frank, though, no, I assume his standing amongst Brentford fans is as high as it's ever been. Still, for
3: what he's yeah, done exactly, since he we love him. I mean, you know, he he's made bricks without straw in Premiership terms. Um, he's incredibly honest. He tells it as it is. Players love him. Play for him. He treats them like you know, like grown ups. We have this no dickheads policy, which is quite serious. You know, we don't have bad eggs in the club. Um, it's all about playing for the team rather than for yourself. Mm. Uh, and you have to buy into that, and it really works. Last season, the Yeah, the team spirit was incredible and the connection with the crowd at home. We've made home ground a little bit of a a fortress, but, you know, perhaps a a tent with barbed wire around it. You know, we're not the easiest team in the world to beat, but we find it hard to break people down. So, yeah, no, Thomas Frank, yeah, he he has his, he makes his mistakes. He makes, we keep changing formation. There are a few players that aren't really informed that keep getting picked, but there again, he doesn't have many options. Mm. No, I love him.
0: So going into Saturday, you have still got a lot of injury uh, yeah. problems. A lot of players out. Yeah.
3: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, for what it's worth, we've lost. We 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 signed three big players at in the in the close season. One was a young fullback from Bologna, Scottish fullback from Bologna, called Aaron Hickey, who really is a good player. Uh, completely two footed. Um, he played left-back for Bologna in Syria all for the last two seasons at 19, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, and we've been playing him at right-back because we've got Rico Henry at left-back. <clears throat> Although I suspect Rico might well be on his way at the end of the season. I might be wrong, but I just think that's a fair chance. And then he'll revert to left-back. But he's injured. He got done in training about three weeks ago. So uh, Hickey's out. And I've mentioned Lewis Potter and mm. um, and Damsgaard. Um the best signing we made in the close season was the least heralded and what someone that you will know very well, Ben Me. Yeah. He has been absolutely superb. No two ways about it. In my fancy football team as well, so absolutely brilliant. No frills, just does the job. No pace. I mean he did get outpaced horrendously by what's his name? Borf, I don't name, was a Chelsea striker who gave him 10 yards and left him 20 yards in his wake. And that was rather embarrassing. Um, but he knows how to jockey players. Um, he doesn't commit many fouls. He scored two goals, including an incredible scissors kick against Wolves. You know, you didn't see expect him to do that. Um, he's a good player and a great influence. So we've got Ben Lee, but we've got lots of injuries. We've got Christoph Ayer, who we spent $13 million, which again is a lot of money, centre-half injured. Pontus Janssen's injured. Um, the good Sergi Canos is injured we got a lot of injuries, few more um, the good news we have is that the best player in the team is a guy called Christian Norgard mm. who plays as number 6, sweeps up in front of the back 4 or back 5 or back, back 8 maybe on Saturday um, and he just is class he's just a really really good player, I think he Got more tackles and interceptions than anyone else in the Premier League last season, um, and he uses the ball well. He's very skillful with it. Quite hard, and he's been out. He was out for two and a half months, and he came back. Played half a game on on Tuesday against Gillingham. Mainly, I think, because Denmark insists that he proves he's fit for. Yeah. They hope hopefully neighboring in the squad, so hopefully he will play on Saturday. I can't believe that they won't as he is, isn't is injured again which knowing Brentford is a possibility um, so he'll be back yeah you know uh, Tony will, will be back he was suspended for the last Saturday game at Nottingham Forest we'll, 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 we'll put a team out but whether, whether it will do anything who knows
0: well I was going to ask are you quietly confident the team could spring a surprise after being competitive in both the games last season could yeah. you do a Gillingham uh, will Frank play very defensively could you cause a problem in the transition and on the counter attack
3: Um, No, not really.
0: Oh, (laughs) I was (laughs) expecting to say yes.
3: (laughs) I don't know. It depends which Brentford turn up. I mean, you know, if we do something stupid and give away a set piece goal in the fifth minute, Mm. we do generally play out from the back. Yeah. Against the bigger teams, we quite often don't because... You know they'll they'll, they'll they will stay, you know they will just do we will do something stupid or your your forward pressing high pressing will be too 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 well coordinated for us. So I mean that's what what cost us the second goal last season against you when they, we tried to do something quite expansive and it didn't work. Yeah, um, I, I I really don't know. I mean, you know you 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 had problems against Fulham. I know you scored an, you scored an early goal against them. Crystal Palace seemed to seem to cause you problems at. Yet he had. What's the sequel? So tell us, tell me, how should Brentford play again? <laughs> I'm serious. What what should we do?
0: Uh, I would I would sit deep and look to counter. Yeah, because we haven't been brilliant in the transition. I know it was Carabao Cup ourselves. So well, firstly, 60 hours between City's game ending against Chelsea and us playing you on the Saturday <laughs> near the early kickoff. So I don't know if fatigue will play a problem. We'll dominate the ball, of course. I. I guess if you look at the Leicester away game uh, last week, uh, the the more negative and the more that the bus is parked, the bigger problem that can be for teams like City. And I guess it's you uh, going toe to toe and playing expansive football is the worst thing you could do. So I expect I would say sit deep and look yeah. to spring when you get that ball and just create a couple of chances. And who knows?
3: Well, we've got some pace. Brian Lubumo is. Very quick, very skillful, um, and utterly useless in front of goal. Um, you know, he's hit the post-ball bar eight times since the beginning of last season. Um, he somehow finds a way of missing. Um, and I'm not making fun of him because we love him and he's agreed, and he's going to play for Cameroon in the World Cup and deserves to. He is a high-class player, but he just seems to fall apart in the box. Um, Tony can be clinical. Um Matthias Jensen in midfield has played very, very well. He's our playmaker at the moment. He's our Christian Eriksen. Yes, of course, we miss Christian Eriksen. How could you not? Yeah, But he wasn't the sole reason that we did so well in the last third of last season. We'd lost a lot of players. We'd lost David Rea, the goalkeeper, for three months. And he is probably one of the most creative players in the team. I think Jurgen Klopp said of him, he should wear a number 10 on his back. He really is brilliant with his distribution yeah Um, a bit like Edison yeah you know both keepers should be yeah (laughs) yeah, he really is good Um, so I I just don't know I mean you know do I expect anything no Uh, would something be nice yes I mean did Fulham deserve a point on last Saturday or not
0: who it's hard to say because we had 10 men for uh, over an hour so
3: but they still didn't touch the ball did they
0: No, (laughs) I think we were better with ten men. To be honest, no, they well they did. No, we still had seventy one percent possession. So they had uh, Wilson had uh, skewed it wide early in the second half, and then we dominated. But of course, we did create many chances. But then we had ten men, so I wouldn't expect us to. So who knows? To be honest, it's it's the last match before the World Cup. You don't know what the players are going through uh, if they're, they're distracted. And we haven't, you know, we've scored goals at home. Uh, obviously, we've scored a lot of goals at home, but it's it's not been the system's not worked perfect this season. So I think it, City can be frustrated, uh, but that depends again on, as you say, how Frank approaches the match, how deep you sit, and whether you're not a pressing team yourself, are you at the moment? Or
3: depends. I mean, in a game like this, I would expect him to play three-five-two. Yeah. Uh, We've, got, we've just about got three centre-halves left. Um, seriously, we've got three left. Yeah, just about got three left. Uh, the right-back, Mads is very, very weak, unfortunately. He shouldn't play in the Premier League, but he has to. Again, I mean, he's had some decent games, but he's not quite at that level. Um, Norgard will make a difference. Uh, whether the two full-backs ever get forward, Rico Henry will try and get forward. Yeah. Um, when he can, but he'll probably have his um, hands full. Um, and then up front, we will be Tony and Mbumo. Um You know, and Mbumo can, can, can worry, worry teams with his pace. So we'll play three five two. 5 uh, He will probably play with a very low block, uh, try and be organised, try not to give away a daft goal from a set piece, uh, which we fail dismally to do very often. And the longer we can stay in the game, it's a bit like Gillingham, you know, stay in mm. the game, yeah. stay in the game, wait for City to screw up through overconfidence and present us with a couple of opportunities. You never know. You don't. Uh, and I, I know I'm probably sounding a bit derogatory and pessimistic. I'm trying to be f- reasonable. We're not a bad side. I mean, you know, we're not, we're not the worst team you'll see. We yeah. can play some really nice football when, when we're given the opportunity to do so. And um, we can be very well organised. It's just that we let ourselves down from time to time. You know, if that happens, if we if we let you score two very early on, as we did at Villa, then the gates could open.
0: Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure they will, because I'm not sure the City team will want to be you know, at that high intensity if they do get two as has happened many times in previous years, they will just see a game out a lot of the time. And I guess the last game before the World Cup is the perfect perfect time to do that. So I guess the best thing for Brentford is the World Cup could be a bonus for you that you come back on the other side with uh, fewer injuries and be stronger in the second half of the season.
3: Well, that's, that's, what, we, that's what we want. In all seriousness, we've, we've got about five or six players to get back. Um, I think all but one of them should be back. Maybe before Christmas, mm. um, if we can do that, if our three Danes do well in the in the World Cup and come back with the confidence, and not broken, then you never know. Mm. You know, mm. let's be optimistic about things. Um, I, I do have fond memories. I don't know if you were around the 1988-89 fourth round FA Cup match, the Imre Varadi bananas. Uh, at Griffin Park. Does that mean ring any bells with you or not?
0: Yeah, sadly, I used to have a banana in my bedroom window all the time. So
3: I was there. I yeah. was there. Game. 3-1 game where we actually gave you a bit of a hiding. It was rather good, I remember that moment.
0: Yeah, different times.
3: <laughs> uh, Wouldn't it, nice, it be nice if we can have those times back again? But I'm not holding my breath.
0: Well, from City's perspective, no, it wouldn't. So, uh, sorry to do this. I always end with a score prediction. So, if you want to give yours for the for the game,
3: uh, three 0 to City. Okay,
0: well, I'm going to go two 0 because I think if City do get a couple of goals, they won't look to, you know, actually ramp up any gold If they will look to uh, game manage basically and. And protect themselves So, uh, but we, we will see uh, we've always got the chance of conceding the goal as well but we'll see but with Harlan should be fit I think we're good for scoring quite a few as well uh, Greville time has defeated us thank you very much for coming on and talking about Brentford it's been Bye. really interesting and, re- and I really appreciate it
3: uh, all the best then take care
0: yeah and as I always say after this weekend all the best for the rest of the season well,
3: thank you I'm a huge admirer of the city <laughs> and I, we aspire towards them one day
0: one day you one. never you never know what's around the corner in football that's the beauty of it i didn't 15 years ago so yeah thank you very much and we will get back to the panel now as we preview saturday's game the last one before the world cup okay thanks to gravel there talking about brentford uh right it's the final game uh before the world cup and i guess the obvious question i'm going to start with lloyd I've been asking it for weeks. Thankfully, it's the last time I have to ask it. Will the World Cup be playing on the players' minds? If this was a normal game, what Rebels <laughs> said, we they, they've got plenty of injuries. They've been hard to define what they are. You know, their philosophy this season. Uh, the results are up and down, but, you know, away from home, not as good. It would, for me, be a, t- uh, a game I'd be super, super confident about. Uh, but... Is the the issue obviously sixty hours since you know, between games from when the Chelsea match finished and the World Cup, do you think it'll play on the players' minds at all or will they be focused totally on the game ahead?
2: I think it'll definitely be on their minds. And I think particularly once we get past the um the halfway point into the second half, I think if City are, you know, a goal or two up, I think it could it could become like a game of old men's walking football. Where, uh,
0: <laughs> I did just, say uh, when I spoke to him, Greville, that if we do go to up, there will be huge game management. So he was pretty pessimistic. I said, it, there's not going to be any 6-0, 7-0 here because no. of circumstances,
2: yeah. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think it You know, it could be one of those where even De Bruyne, who's usually you know very up and down, will probably look to pass sideways and you know we do this city thing where we kind of set up in a bit of a C formation and go from right to left Um because I think pretty much everyone that's going to be playing for for us is going to the World Cup apart from um Haaland and Mores. that's because their countries aren't there um, all of them are senior internationals so yeah I think it, it could be a bit of a weird game um, I expect first half you know it'll have the pretty close to the usual cut and us, but I think Second half, like I say, particularly if we're in front, it could it could really slow down. Um, on the game itself, though, it's interesting you said that about if it was or, or, an ordinary game. You think we'd kind of you'd be very confident. We actually had two pretty tough games against Burnley oh, last yeah. year. was two 0 um, at home, one 0 away. Yeah, yeah. and They gave us a pretty good test in both. They've mm. quite resolute. They've not really been that resolute recently. They've actually shipped a lot of goals. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I very much expect we'll win um, and Brentford aren't in the best of form going into it. So it's a pretty, pretty good fixture,
0: I would say. Uh, Ali, of course, the commentator on Wednesday night was keen. It took him 20 minutes, but he was very keen to tell us how much City's bench was worth <laughs> <laughs> against Chelsea. So does that give us, I say, 60, 60 hours, 45 minutes, I think, is the, uh, the precise gap between... End of Chelsea match, start of this game. Does that subs bench tell us a lot about what team we expect to be picked? Uh, I'll, I'll name the substitutes from Wednesday. Calvin Phillips, who I'm sure will come to, have got onto the pitch. Uh, John Stones, Nathan Ake, Erling Haaland, Kevin De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, who of course came on as well, as did Ake. Akanji, Edison, Phil Foden. You've got a lot of a team there <laughs> that uh, didn't start the game against Chelsea big clues about who starts this
1: match. Of course, although it is Pep, and he is funny about things like that. You know, you, you think he's going to rest a player and then turns out that that's his first pick. Uh, so who knows? But um, I, I oh, think... do as think well. Ne- was, yeah, 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 of course. Um, I don't think it necessarily follows that City um, playing a little bit within themselves and uh, not giving it kind of... Maximum, um, giving uh, it full welly into every tackle and every mm. sprint and all the rest of it. Um, that doesn't necessarily make us a less effective team. Yeah. You know, often we can be most deadly when we're just passing it around endlessly, passing the other team to death, um, conserving our own energy. And then, you know, the pass number 43 ends up in the back of the net. Um, we do do that a lot. And, and um, we're probably if, if we were a team like, Liverpool, um, who depended much more on high energy pressing and, and full throttle heavy metal, whatever cliche you want to use, um, then it would be more of a concern. But I think City will, you know, pretty much get, play the game we would have played anyway. Um, and uh, the team, you know, the team that started on Wednesday was largely resting teams from from the weekend before, uh, as well as. You know the the one to come. You know that's what we would have done anyway. <laughs> what we will have tomorrow is presumably uh, Erling Haaland will be starting. Uh, he will have a full month's worth of energy, uh, both from the months he's just missed and the month he's got coming up ahead to get rid of. So he will be you know, charging about like a like a, you know Norwegian troll on amphetamines, I'm sure. <laughs> um, and you know he I'm sure he quite like to get a hat trick in the first half tomorrow because he he hasn't had one for several weeks. Uh, so yeah, it is it, still possible that we give them a, a proper hiding. Um, I'm expecting a fairly comfortable afternoon, to be honest, uh, mainly looking at Brentford's away form, which really has been shocking. They've, they've had some absolute hammerings. Um, and the only concern, maybe it's like one of those annoying 12.30k costs. I know we have this Discussion every time we're playing at twelve thirty, I look at the data and, and suggest that we actually do okay at twelve thirty, yeah. um, but we never look very comfortable and never feel very comfortable watching it. Won all this
0: seasons, won last seasons. I think. Exactly, I think, yeah. and this is not scientific because I just look through manually. Leads at home that two one against ten men yeah. could be the last uh, defeats, but don't quote right. me on that. No, but yeah, there's we'll, been we'll some. There's it, been some yeah. wins with um, average yeah. performances. Yeah.
1: That. So, I mean, I, I don't think this was ever a game that um, Manchester City were going to be uh, planning to or really needing to hurl themselves into every tackle and, and you know, risking breaking anyone's legs to, to reclaim the ball. It was never going to be that kind of game anyway. Um, I'm quite glad we're playing Brentford, who are uh, you know, quite a delicate, skillful team quite a lot of time for the, the way they play. Um, they're they're I really don't want to tempt fate here, but I don't think of them as being the, you know, the hardest tackling, most brutal competitors yeah. Yeah. In, the, uh, in the Premier League at the moment. Um, so I don't think our players will be worrying too much about their knees and their ankles. Um, and I hope they don't, because one final point I'll make is that I often think players are at greater risk of getting hurt when they're going tentatively into tackles and and Trying to dodge out of the way of tackles that they would normally just ride out. Um, when you, when you change the way you play, actually, you can be putting your legs at more risk yeah. than, than if you just play normally. Um, and I think they probably know that and, and they're going to try and keep the World Cup out of their heads for as long as they can. And yeah, for, you know, for at least 60 or 70 minutes, they're going to be going out and they're going to be playing like any other Premier League game against another, any other, you know, mid-table opposition. Um, and yeah. Fingers crossed it'll it'll be another comfortable home win for City because we're good at turning them out at the moment.
0: So Lloyd, uh, what team are you expecting? Mm -hmm. I guess, obviously, Cancelo comes back in. Uh, Ake and Kanji may come in, therefore. Stones will probably play it right back, or Kanji, but probably Stones. Rodri's back in. It kind of picks itself, I guess. One question is uh, the wide... Positions surely Phil Foden's been picked for this one. I say I'll be you serious. Oh so, yeah, yeah, I'll be like, scratching my head like until I, until I draw blood if he's not picked again. But I guess the only questions left is in a way, Grealish, Jack Grealish, start again.
2: I think so. I, I think one of the things that has annoyed me a little bit this season is there have been points where Grealish has started to build up a little bit of momentum and then generally Pep has rotated him. So. Yeah, hopefully Grealish, Haaland, Foden front free, um, albeit Alvarez has been great. Um, but I think from again from Pep's comments, I think Alvarez is Pep likes to play him up front rather than in the wide in the wide yeah. areas. Um, so I think if we were to see Alvarez, it, it would probably be alongside Haaland or instead of Haaland. So I, I expect it will be Grealish, Foden, Haaland. No Foden would be very weird. Um, and I think he's probably been rested with an eye to starting this game then the rest of the team
0: Will he want Calvin be... Phillips to get some game time again?
2: Is he not bothered about that? Or I think he will but I don't think he'll start No, um, I don't think he'll start but yeah I, I But expect... he could
0: use a lot of subs
2: he, if it's going
0: well in the second half, he won't He won't make loads of subs if it's you know, tight because he doesn't tend to do that but he will use his substitutes well if if the situation allows
2: it Yeah I'm sure he'll come off the bench in the second half Mm. Um, I'm pretty certain of it to be fair so yeah that'll be good and it's good to have him back given Rodri's been kind of strung out for every base, every game rest of the team I think you're right I think it'll be pretty much um, picking itself in light of what happened and the team we saw midweek so yeah I think Ake will play Stones will come back in um, I expect obviously De Bruyne will play. Edison will come back in. cancelli comes back in. Yeah, I think I think, yeah. think it'll be I think it'll be exactly that.
0: You expecting Brentford to park the bus
2: and frustrate us or not? Not necessarily. Yeah, yeah. I um, I, I don't see why they do anything differently. To be fair, they've not been in great form recently. They've been a bit leaky. Um, so you
0: could see it being frustrating afternoon
2: in a way absolutely yeah I think it could be it could be a bit of a bit of a slog fest Um, but if we if we get an early goal then you know hopefully it should make things a lot easier but um, I I really think they could come and just try and batten down the hatches
0: Mm. Ali Lloyd loves to talk about must win games which (laughs) I know this isn't but it really help if we finish off with a clean sweep, you know, of recent, uh, for uh, recent games, we don't want it to be four or five points behind Arsenal when we come out the other side of the World Cup, do we? So kind of quite important that City, you know, finish this first section of the season with three points.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you'd, if you'd asked us, um, back in or beginning of August, uh, what we'd, you know, where we'd want city to be. Um, You know, we've got 32 out of 39 at the moment. It'll be, it'll be 35 out of 42 if if we win on, if we win tomorrow, I think. Is that right? Um, And, you know, we would have, I'm sure, bitten your hand off for that uh, as, as a place to be. Um, And, the other thing I'll, I'll say quickly, uh, I'm really happy to be on the shoulder of Arsenal at this stage. Um, I think about two points behind Arsenal is just the absolute perfect place to be. I think if we were a few points ahead, there would be a risk that, um, first of all, it, it, it's hard to keep the motivation up and then you have one bad result and suddenly it feels like momentum is going away from you and you're getting caught and another team's going ahead of you. And, and you know, I'd much rather be behind, slightly behind and on the shoulder at this stage of the season. Um, and, you know, and for that reason, I'm quite happy for Arsenal to keep winning. But for as long as Arsenal do keep winning, then it makes it absolutely, uh, you know, critical that we keep winning as well. And, you know, it's, it's one thing to stay in their shoulder. What we don't want is to watch them disappearing off into the distance. Um, so yeah, it's an important game, but, you know, this is the Premier League. Um, you know, every three points is vital. I, I, I think it's highly likely that when we get to the end of May, there will be, you know, Three or six points in the title league and in the title race. Um, and it doesn't matter whether you win them in May or whether you win them now, they're worth Mm. the same amount. Uh, so yeah, let's just, let's just keep racking up those points because we need them.
0: I mean, there is such a long way to go. PP, in your mind, you think, right? We're taking a mid-season break here, you know, to do the World Cup, but we're not. We're nowhere near the middle yet. So, you know, yeah. it's like fourteen <laughs> games, twenty-four games come after this. Uh, so, and that's obviously what seventy-two points still to play yeah. for. It's yeah, it's it's still very early, but it's the end of Act One, isn't it? Act, yes, indeed. Yes, uh, is Act Two a tragedy? <laughs> that would be the World Cup. <laughs> a comedy of errors or something yeah that's everything I know about Shakespeare just done (laughs) right well we always end up with a score prediction so Ali stick with you
1: uh, score prediction for this game I I hope I don't regret this but I think it will be comfortable I think it will be four okay
0: well I I said because I think we'll game manage if we get two points ahead I did say to whoever won we spoke two nil so I'll stick with that Uh, Lloyd
2: two nil I'm the same okay
0: Right. <laughs> well, I'll be perfectly happy with that. I'll be perfectly happy with three points. And I hope for the player's sake, as much as anything, obviously, no injuries to players going to the World Cup. Because one of the worst things, I mean, one of the worst things, of course, is the moral side of the World Cup. But the timing of it, the worst thing really is that a two week injury can actually put you out of a World Cup, which, you know, when it was in the summer, was never a thing. And that's a real shame, really, that fairly minor muscle injuries now could put you out. But if you've already been picked for your squad, does that mean you still get to go? Who knows? So uh, (laughs) maybe they'll uh, be gung-ho now, knowing they've been picked, uh, because most of the squads have been announced. Uh, Ali, thank you very much for coming on today. Really
1: appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Art.
0: Yeah, Lloyd, thank you very much as well for coming on. Pleasure. Hopefully see you on Saturday. (laughs) Hopefully, fingers crossed. I mean... When has the British Rail Network ever let us down? <laughs> I'm sure you'll be fine. <laughs> as
2: a, Being on the payroll of Avanti, I can't possibly comment. Yeah. That. Oh, yes, of
0: course. <laughs> as you trundle into Manchester Piccadilly on Monday afternoon, yeah.
2: <laughs> uh,
0: right, that's a wrap. We're off to wonder if United's new wonderkid can be as good as Adnanjanuzi.
3: Uh, have a great weekend, everyone. Stay safe, take care, and as always, up the blues.